the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. This is Soapy Dollar, and you are listening to The Bible Live. We make our way through the Bible through this book of books every year from Genesis to the maps, as they say, all the way to the book of Revelation in the New Testament. And we're glad to be with you tonight. Dr. Al Johnson is at my side here, and Stacy here as well, being a part of our program, my daughter Stacy, and um, she's here to kind of keep us honest and to keep us straight, I think, on, on the straight and narrow. Hi, Stace. What's going on this evening? Hello. How are oh. those, those grandbabies of mine? <laughs> oh, I, I hear one of them. Uh-oh. Oh, uh, that, <laughs> but, uh, I know. <laughs> I, I heard that. She might make her. You know, on, on, that John put into the introduction tonight, and I thought, oh, that sounds like Ellie. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. well, Dad's getting but his. The other one's asleep, so that's good. Dad's getting his, uh, in, earning his pay now with, with the. That's right. With the baby girl. <laughs> yes. Well, good to have you. Good to see you this evening, Stace. Uh, join with us. We've got a great, rich passage to cover tonight. Uh, we discussed it a little bit earlier with Dr. Johnson here. And uh, it's going to be an interesting um, program. We're in the great, great book of Acts in the New Testament. And uh, that's what we do, folks. If you're listening tonight, we read through the entire Bible every year. Uh, together. We used to do that on the radio itself. People would tune in and hear um, I will be doing a flawless, perfect reading from the scriptures in the, in the New Living Translation, a clear modern translation. And we'd read through. They could hear the actual Bible itself every every weeknight, Monday through Friday, uh, 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures. And then uh, it, it, we've gone through different formats, and people could call in at that time and, and respond to the scriptures, or ask questions, or comment. Or now, what we do is we we have moved our Bible reading program to the internet. You can join us at thebiblelive.com dot com or BibleLive dot com. Either one will get you to our website, and there you can uh, click on that opening page, and you can hear Monday through Friday. You can hear uh, the reading of that day, Monday through Friday. Or, of course, if you're on the website, you can go to another section, and you can pick any reading you want 
uh, from any uh, from the past of the past year or whatever. And uh, so you can hear any passage you want from the scriptures. But we uh, we're thinking folks would like to hear the scriptures, maybe in their car, in their computer at work or home or wherever you might have your the apparatus you use to go online. And you can join us uh, and going through the scriptures every year through the entire Bible. And we are right now in this past week, we finished up the book of Acts uh, in the New Testament, and uh, and actually we on Friday we just uh, went back to the Hebrew scriptures in the the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and we picked up there. We'll make our way through the books of First and Second Chronicles, which we will uh, introduce a little bit later. Maybe maybe in our third segment tonight, we'll talk about a little bit of introductory comments about the books of Chronicles. But we're gonna focus tonight mainly on uh, as we did last week on this amazing book, this tremendous adventure of the book of Acts, where uh, primarily now we've settled in and focused in on this individual named uh, Saul of Tarsus. He was a a Jewish rabbi, extremely knowledgeable, extremely dedicated and committed to Judaism and to the uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the degree that he was an enemy of... uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was an enemy of this this idea that, that uh, Jesus of Nazareth had come to be the Messiah of Israel and so on. He, was, he rejected that idea and not only just rejected it personally, but was in a position of power and an influence and authority that uh, he was uh, persecuting and, and those who followed after Jesus what was called, I think, in those days, the way. And then, of course, this amazing thing happened. Um, we, call it, we call it conversion. The convert, he converted. Uh, he met the risen, living Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and his life was changed, and he became, an, an, instead of a persecutor of the way, uh, of those who followed Christ, he became himself a uh, a, a preacher, a missionary, of, and took the message of. Uh, it, it didn't. Well, we'll talk about this in more, a little more in depth through the hour. But he, in a way, didn't change his message. He's still a Jew and still followed at the true, the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He just realized that that. His name was Jesus. <laughs> that he stopped fighting against um, Jesus and began to realize that hey, this is this is consistent. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was His plan, and this is His Messiah. So it's an amazing thing that happened to him personally, and then he takes that message across the Roman Empire to Jews and Gentiles alike. And, and it's that phenomenon that I would like to start our discussion tonight from the book of Acts. Uh, folks, if you're listening along, we, are, we read the, the chapters 17 through 28 of the book of Acts this past week. And, of course, chapter 17 is this amazing thing. I think during, the, I believe it was the second, during the second missionary journey of, of Paul, I believe. That's, he uh, Three great missionary journeys that are described for us in the book of Acts. Um, 
So let me see if I can make sure of, of that. I want to. Uh, this is the second missionary journey, and he is in indeed. I believe goes to Acts, uh, to Athens. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, we're in the we're in the right ballpark, uh, the right church, the right pew. So we we got it right. We're in the book, and we're looking at chapter seventeen, and uh, this amazing experience that this this moment uh, maybe you guys would like to comment uh, dr al about this moment in history uh, this this astounding pivotal moment in human history the messiah has come and mm-hmm. and some jews have responded to him in in israel uh, all of the early believers well I won't say all because I don't know the fact, but it seemed like the great majority of the early believers were were Jews. They, God came to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, and they were prepared. They were ready. They knew about the Messiah. They, and so Jesus in his life and ministry takes and offers himself and the truth about himself to the people of Israel, to those who already had the light of 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 of. Abraham, you know, Jehovah and all he had done, the, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, and knew about him. And now it it has busted out of the confines of Judaism and Israel and even, you know, the Jewish people and, uh, you know, physical, geographical Israel. It's now it's exploded all across the Roman world. Now, people knew, people in the Roman world, many knew about uh Judaism. They knew about Jehovah. They knew about Moses. They knew about the law, and many had responded. There were. Remember now this. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit to that. I'm I'm going on myself more too much here in in a way. Uh, we've got this. We've got this kind of this pregnant moment when Judaism has been out there. We've had the synagogues now for 500 years since the uh, since Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and they were scattered all over the. Uh, the world of that world of that time and that era, and now um, Rome has destroyed Jerusalem again in AD seventy, and the ideas and the idea of God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah, has gone all over, and through this thing called the synagogue, you have you know many many Gentiles who too who have responded to the to the idea of the the Creator God. And so now here comes Saul with this idea that, that this Messiah, this long-awaited, promised, long-awaited Messiah has come, and his name is Jesus of Nazareth, and he preached and shared and presented himself and was rejected and killed and then rose from the dead. And, and, and for some reason, this message at this moment, this incredible moment of human history catches the the attention and the the longings of human beings everywhere from every background Jew and Gentile alike it's just it's just an astounding moment in history well I'm thinking about Paul when you mentioned that he was uh, obviously he's the uh, preeminent if you will uh, Christian of our of our faith he wrote roughly <laughs> two-thirds or more of the New Testament but prior to this, he was a persecutor, but more than that, I think he was zealous to make sure that these people aren't falsely following a, a cult. The religious mm-hmm. leaders not just um, were 
powerful, but they were also trying to preserve Judaism as they understood it. So they didn't want these people going off on a toot, except now Paul has been knocked off his horse, so to speak, on his way to Antioch, and he recognizes, wait a minute. So to speak, he was literally knocked off his horse, wasn't he? Yeah. So he recognizes that this Jesus that they're, that he's trying to persecute the, people, the followers of is the Messiah. And this is a dramatic turning point in his life, and he's no longer chasing them because he wants to keep them from becoming a cult. He now wants to press, uh, press on because he's been called by God to further the gospel to the Gentiles. What a, what a, I mean, it's just no moment like it in a way. It's, it, it is a perfect follow-up to, to the fact that Jesus himself, the Messiah, has come. I mean, that moment when, when on a still night in Bethlehem, and it, you know, God entered human history uh, as a man. And that's something we could talk about tonight and with our listeners is talk about the nature of the incarnation in the first place, that God took on flesh and what that might mean to us. And also then here the repercussions, the world-changing, explosive repercussions of that uh, in world, in human history, in terms of the numbers of people who know God. I have a, have a wonderful uh, Jewish friend who is often mentioning to me that no one has ever brought more Gentiles. No one has ever triggered more conversions to the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No one has ever brought more human beings into the fold, in a sense, or into to worship the true and living God. No one has ever done it greater or more people than Jesus of Nazareth. His, it, it, we, it, it's just this massive moment that now, of course, in the, here we are in the 21st century, and men and women all around planet Earth, millions of human beings, and of course through the centuries now, uh, uh, probably billions even, have come to know about the true and living God and His Son, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and millions, billions have entered into God's kingdom and come to faith in the true and living God to know Him and to experience Him in their lives. It's just an astounding a matter of God's timing and God's power and God's redemptive plan. Uh, Stacy, tell me some of your thoughts initially, just about the big picture of, or, or, you know, sure, taking, well, taking the big picture of God and the whole human race and Him revealing Himself progressively to to and in this moment in that first century right. when it exploded. Right. Well, I, I I'm with you. I think it's so fascinating. I, it's. It's. I always think of the weary world rejoices. Oh yes. <laughs> um, for old, from Old Holy Night, I always and um, you know and it that it, it it's the culmination. I mean, it's the denouement of of the story. It is, um, and then to see, um, and then Acts, it it puts it into you know he's come, it is finished. He's he has he's has done it, and then to see how that ignites and how that takes off and how, uh, you know, the roads were there. You've talked about it many times, and, uh -huh. of course, um, but the synagogues were were there in all of these places because the Jews had been scattered, and so what had seemed 
like such tragedy and was, you know, with these people being fed, you know, God, God turned it and used it um, to his glory because now there is a place where Paul can go on these journeys and he can start at the, at the synagogue. Right. And from there, then it can spread, you know, Christianity spreads. And uh, so you just start to see how all of these things, all these years of history and of God's people and of God um, using how they have, how, how they become useful in the spreading of the gospel mm. and languages and roads and synagogues in place. Everything is in place. And um, so it's, it's neat to see that. And then um, I'm just always fascinated by the that council, the uh, you know, when they all come together, because okay, now you have these, you have you have the Jewish the religion, and you and you see how it's going to go from a religion, to, you know, the kind of classic what we say it's a relationship, <laughs> not a uh-huh. religion, uh-huh. and you see that, and and it is hard. I mean, that's kind of a hard moment in. Um, it's a little bit of a, of a difficult moment, uh, and we still find that a little bit today. I mean, you have different denominations, and you have um, what do you what do you do with um, what had been in the extra moral things that had been in place um, in terms of the religion, uh-huh. and then how do how does that how does that play into then now that Jesus has come, and um, I just I think that. That Jesus and that survived that moment is also a testament to who Jesus was and is. That it's that it's true. <laughs> that That's an interesting truth. thought. How how that mm-hmm. you know how the truth about Jesus of Nazareth, who he was. This this one. There's a famous poem called "One Solitary Life." And yes, this individual right. who never traveled more than 100 miles from his place of birth, he had no wealth, he had no power, he had, not, had no army, he had no book. navy, <laughs> no, none of the, and yet this one solitary life has affected the life of <laughs> human beings on planet Earth more than any other uh, in yeah. all of history. Uh, it, it, is, it is an astounding thought. It, it, it is just, it, it really, truly, if you think about it and if you're willing to face it, it it in and of itself is almost a a testament. It's almost a, uh, um, it's almost a, 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 a powerful defense of the the truth of an apologetic. Of Jesus. <laughs> an also, apologetic. Uh, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It's almost an mm-hmm. apologetic in and of itself that yeah. that this caught you know because most error and most clear error uh, mistakes and so on sooner or later it becomes clear that you know, we missed you know communism wasn't exactly the uh, utopia that we thought it was going to be or some, mm-hmm. some most era sooner or later makes its way and people realize that no that 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 was wrong that's it, right. it is that kind of kind of the lord liar lunatic uh test and explain that oh well this would be kind of the, the moment where you would uh as far as who jesus was uh Either he and he claimed to be God, so there are only three options: he either was, or he wasn't. And if he wasn't, he was either lying, or he was a lunatic. So he really is either Lord, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. And in these in these 
days of Acts and um, and the persecution of the church, too, you would you would think that if he was a liar or a lunatic, that would have come out. This was that was a prime opportunity for that to have been right. uh, confirmed, and then for Jesus to fall, his name to just die out and right. to fall by the like, wayside. Like but, so many others, before. but he's Lord. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but he is Lord. <laughs> but he is Lord, and so it didn't, and as it wouldn't if he is who he claimed to be. So. I'm reminded of Gamaliel when uh, Paul and... Interesting he, person, this yeah. Gamaliel. Yeah. So he's, he's giving them advice. Uh, don't be so hasty about trying to, uh, to yeah. uh, purge this. It'll die of its own if it's not true. Right. And so yes. they had been looking for the Messiah. The, the people that Jesus dragged into his court, so to speak, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they all knew the scriptures. <laughs> I like the way you say that. Many of them came kicking and screaming, no doubt about it. But they, but they had they knew the scriptures, and uh-huh. so they were yeah. looking all the time. Is this guy? Um, is he real? Is he? Does he meet the qualifications of the Messiah? And so they were talking among themselves, and we have found the Messiah. Some said, he, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've come to the conclusion that he is who he said he was, because of all mm-hmm. the fulfilled prophecies, where he was mm-hmm. born, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. it's it's interesting to me that his uh, eclectic band of, of followers <laughs> that he picked had such wide uh, expectations. They weren't all lined up and oh yeah, you know, even half brothers and whatever that didn't believe. And wait a minute, what do you mean you don't believe your brother? Yeah, yeah, his, well, he who was that? That's crazy. Yeah, Judas was a half brother of Jesus. Uh, uh, James, James, the, the the leader of the early church in Jerusalem, but early on, not, was not. right? Who? Yeah. Right. Real quick, Jude. You said Jude was. Yeah, I said Judas. Like I'm said sorry. Judas. You're right. You're right, honey. It's Jude, not Jude. Judas. Yeah. Jude and yeah, and James. Mm-hmm. The old brain. Oh, okay. The old brain kind of crosswired there for a little bit. <laughs> well, it is a. It is just. This amazing moment in human history. In the book of Acts, I have to say, I if I had to have a favorite book, I think it would be Acts, to be honest. It's just so fascinating to see. And to some degree, at some level, I've somewhat in, lived a little bit the book of Acts. You know, uh, 35, 40 countries of the world, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, India, China, Moscow, Ukraine, across these lands and these nations. I've been privileged to go and share the gospel and hear people uh, and watch people's responses who've never heard the name of Jesus before and others who've kind of been involved in other religions and religiosity and other names and so on and understandings of God. To some degree, I've gotten a chance to watch that dynamic uh, of people responding to uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and his son, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, hearing that message. It, it just Paul must have been one of the most, I mean, just really, he just had had just an amazing life of watching and that's the thing about it we we read about it in the bible and it's like this great movement in the human history and all to us but to them it was just life it was just daily life people they met on the way lydia this this businesswoman uh, uh there in philippi and the jailer in philippi that converted and came to the savior and 
they were just people he met along the way and talked, and their lives were changed and transformed, and then they turned around and changed and transformed other lives and lives and lives and lives. It's just this astounding moment in history. Well, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're going to take a, a quick break here in a, in a moment. We want to invite you, our listeners, in the conversation, 210-340-9585. That's our phone number, 210 340 9585. If you'd like to join with us, maybe you have a question, maybe you have a thought, a comment, maybe your own response to this magical moment in human history when God, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true and living God, the Creator Himself, took on flesh and entered into the human experience, uh, the, the redemptive plan that God had revealed actually centuries before. Uh, and through substitutionary atonement, he would take upon himself the sins of uh, of humanity, uh, opening the door for any human being anywhere on planet Earth that wanted and truly desired to know the king of the universe, the creator, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, wanted to have a relationship and know God and experience God in his life. Any human being could enter by faith in, in this Messiah, in, in Jesus of Nazareth, who he was and what he accomplished on our behalf. Any human being could enter into that amazing status as, as a child of God, eternal life, and, uh, and, and to be able to experience God in his life, the true God, and not just kind of general vague thoughts, but, but, well, general vague thoughts in comparison to who the greatness and the reality of God, but, but we're on the right path. We've met the true God, and we've begun the journey to know him, experience him, learn about him more and more. So that's, that, was the, that was the moment we're looking at in the book of Acts in the New Testament of the Bible, and that's what we're talking about tonight. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about Paul in chapter 17 is in the city, the great city of Athens there in the first century. And we're going to come back and talk about the experience he had there with these men and women. And we're going to see the responses of people, the same responses we see today when we take the gospel to our neighborhood or to our friends or our workplace, the same three responses that he saw in Athens uh, in Acts chapter 17 we see when we share the gospel with people today in our world. So give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585. Dr. Al Johnson, Stacy Dollar, and your uh, host, Soapy Dollar, will stay right here, and we'll be back with you in just a few moments. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Hallelujah, with every word I praise His name, with every word I shout His name. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590 
but I wanna fly. But he's caring love without measure. No cracking under the pressure. I got this place by suffering grace, and now this gift is my treasure. My pleasure to let you know that my Jesus makes me feel this way. For this I give you praise. Cause you make me happy. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. God has been good to you. Great choice, John. Good choice tonight. We are back. This is the Bible Live. And we are discussing tonight in our program the passages that we read this last week on uh, a Bible Live broadcast. You can go and, of course, hear them at thebiblelive.com. Go back a few days and hear those readings. Uh, it's all right there on the website. You can join us and listen to those. Or uh, just tonight as we're talking about this this uh, amazing moment in human history, this when uh, the God uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, uh, the true and living God, the creator of everything that exists, the creator and sustainer of uh, this life on this planet or whatever life exists anywhere, the, the, the great, what they call the supreme being and some, well, this, this God, this creator, this amazingly powerful, intelligent, being we know as God, the true and living God, took on flesh. Actually, and maybe even that's something that could be discussed. What in the world? How did that happen? How does this being that that is uh, so transcendental to our existence as human beings, how does he limit himself? How does he somehow uh, put all of that? I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch... Um, a commercial. <laughs> it's funny things that stay in your mind uh, as you grow in uh, age. I, I don't know. Maybe you remember this commercial, Doctor Johnson, when a Heinz ketchup commercial, and you would have uh, they had a Heinz ketchup bottle there, empty, and there was a tomato sitting on top of it, and they would talk about their product during the commercial. And at some point during the commercial, boop, this this tomato went, and it was down, it, it became ketchup down in the bottle. And I don't know, maybe I was just so young, I thought, wow, it's magic, it really happened. You know, I mean, of course, it's a, uh, an optical illusion, it's a thing of, of technology and TV at that time. But the point is, that I'm always fascinated by that, and I've always thought of this idea that the God of the universe took, taking on flesh is something like that tomato somehow. How does it fit in there? How does it happen? And yet that that is indeed what we're told. And remember, we are we are created in, in God's image. The Creator has made us in His image. We are not. It's not like a, 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 um, a stone becoming a tree. Or it, we we are like God in that we have individuality. We have personhood, intellect, emotion, and will. And and so it, it's not so much a, a change of type. That God, it's just a limitation. That's what Paul points out in in Philippians chapter two, that he he humbled himself and just limited, voluntarily limited the practice, free exercise of his divine prerogatives and initiatives and character and authority as God, and 
that was how the word became flesh yeah. uh, in us is that it, 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 he still was God, never ceased being God ever, but he voluntarily left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives and initiatives, authority and walked under the authority of, of God, the father and in as a human being in every way from the moment of conception in his, in Mary's womb to the time he, he surrendered his uh, father into your hands, I commend my spirit there on the cross. He lived out the perfect life of a human being, uh, loving God, devoted to God, obeying God, trusting God, submitting to God the Father. Never did anything of his own initiative and prerogative as God, which he could have done without any problem because he truly was God. But he stayed in the saddle of faith and submission to the Father so that he could be our representative, our mediator, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's it's just so beautiful and so perfect. Sometimes I, I just get overwhelmed with the beauty of God's redemptive plan. That word that's used in some translations is he emptied himself. Yes, of his Philippians chapter 2, yeah. Uh, I think the Greek word is kenosis. That we don't know what that means, but we do know what <laughs> empties means. Yeah. So he, he was God, fully God, but yet he denied that aspect of himself. It's a little hot. That's all right. Uh, something's happening on Stacy's end as well. Maybe, Stacy, you have a thought about this. I don't know uh, if Stacy may be distracted by a grandchild at this moment. Suzanne. We're not quite absolutely sure. Oh, no, that was a, a, a cell phone. That, now we got it straightened out. No. Are you there, Stace? I guess you're with us. Well, maybe accidentally, but not in this time. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm here. Hi, hello. Alice, I'm talking here. To I'm sorry. here. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Stace. Oh no, I was just. I'm. I did come in. Sorry, we did have a little, a little, um, a little moment. Ellie, Ellie wanted to chime in. <laughs> so, well, sure. Well, she's making a radio debut. That's right, good. right. But she's here with us too. Um, no, I think y'all were talking about uh, the him emptying himself yeah. and the word becoming flesh. Uh-huh. Um, yes, I, I think it well, and that kind of jives with the Lord, you know, the Lord liar lunatic. Um, but I still am just. Uh, I think to me, what's fascinating about Acts is is that council, you know, and how um, it went from and we and. Well, it went from a religion and and how and how the Jewish people and the, I can understand this would be hard with new converts to Christianity, the Jewish Christian, you know, the Christians, um, you know, do they need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow the um, all of the laws, rules yeah. and all of the all of the laws? And how does that you know how does, and that would have been that would have been hard. I, I could see that having been a very tough time. Um, and truly something that, I mean, in terms of just the Spirit and His work and the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, um, to be able to have to survive kind of a, a something like that um, and still be friends, Peter and Paul, <laughs> yeah. um, and still be able to focus on you know, who we serve and why we serve, um, and that it isn't necessarily about all of the, uh, you know, the circumcision or what we eat or what we, um, right. I thought, I, I just think that that's kind of a miracle in and of itself, um, and a work of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, so I, that's that's my. I also think too. Um, I, I love the uh, Apollos. Um, I think that's an interesting and the relationship for, or between Apollos and Paul. Yes, exactly. And, you, you have various stages of change and transformation take place here, uh, as you're stating. Now, the the ones who had the least jump to make were were the Jewish the Jewish people, those who had. At least among them, who understood the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, they knew that the Messiah was to come; that he would be a. If they understood the Scriptures, that they knew that it would be a suffering servant, but at the same time, there would be a conquering king that he would deliver and establish the kingdom of God and further the kingdom of God on, on planet Earth, and and so they. They knew about the Messiah, the messianic concept, and the idea of a redeemer. A uh, John the Baptist said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." So they knew about uh, th- this Messiah, redeemer was to come. It, 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 they didn't know details, and, and of course, we we hear nowadays that. And we read in the scriptures, Jesus says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to return, and everyone's going to see me. And and, and, the, and he talks about his second coming as king, as conquering king and, and savior and redeemer, and that Jesus is going to return. Well, we know that theoretically, and we know what the Bible says about it, that everyone from the clouds will separate and, and with a shout, with the, with the uh, voice of the trumpet, you know, the, Christ returns and the we who in, in Christ will, you know, the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive will be raised as well to, to, to meet him in the air and we'll be with him forever now in the air. So we have this idea of what we know. But just knowing about it kind of in those terms and, and, and some of those words that I just used may be, we may discover when it really happens that they're kind of a, their picture of it, but the but when it really happens, it's going to be, it's going to be startling in its reality. It's going to be stunning. It's just going to be the most uh, the, another great pivotal moment in all of humanity around the. So, uh, but that's what happened here. The, the, they were thinking the Messiah is going to come, and who knew he's going to come as a child, as an infant, in a in a in, a, in be you know, born of a poor little girl in Bethlehem. We knew that, but but that he would be born in place in a manger, the, the angels, that the shepherds would come to see him and the humble people. Who knew that it was going to take on flesh in exactly the way it did when he was born? And now here we are looking at the way his message uh, expands and just explodes around the earth. And Probably no one imagined such a magical moment when humanity is so primed and so ready, so desperate that whenever they hear the message of hope and and uh, to knowing God and experiencing God and having purpose and meaning and significance and peace and joy and freedom in our lives, uh, the, the impact of that was just so so stunning. It, it's just such a moment. That the Book of Acts tries to, it, it, and it's and it's kind of. It's kind of interesting because it 
it talks about it in terms of like real events and just common normal people, you know, that with that he this businesswoman named Lydia that he met along the way. And now in this second missionary journey, Paul is making his way across the Roman Empire and so many and he comes to this great city of Athens. Now Athens is a great uh, center and city of philosophy. This is from back in the in the Greek era before the Roman Empire. Uh, the Greek uh, philosophers, um, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, and so they 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 struggled with the concepts of God and the Creator and and man and and so here is, Athens is a great center of men and women who have searched for God philosophically, trying to figure out okay from what from what our experience as human beings from our uh, um, in terms of our personhood as a human being, what what can we know about God or think about God or discover about God? And again, this is what is called general revelation. From apart from Scripture, uh, an experience that men and women spoke of in the Old Testament, and they knew about the Hebrew Scriptures, of course, uh, but they were looking from more from the inside of man. You know, we 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 think. There must be a, there, all of this exists, so there must be a creator. There must be an intellect. There must be a mind behind this incredible amount of order and that we see. And so the, we're 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 familiar with the concepts of of, of, of philosophy, the, trying to think from our experience as human beings, the world we see around us, and creation, human consciousness and awareness, and conscience, good and evil, right and wrong. All of those are elements of special revelation that God has given to all human beings everywhere. So they've struggled with those concepts. And here here comes Paul now to this great center, the Council of Philosophers in Acts chapter 17. He arrives during this missionary journey. Actually, it's just a layover. He's there waiting on some uh, friends or waiting on the next leg of his journey to happen. And and he's kind of doing the tourist thing. He's going through, <laughs> he's going through Athens and kind of wandering around. And he goes to the... The uh, Mars Hill, where the philosophers gathered and joined and spoke, they had free speech sort of uh, places people could talk and bring up new ideas. So he ends up going there in Acts chapter 17, and he gets an opportunity to share. So here we go. This this Jewish uh, intellectual, very intelligent, prepared individual, follower of Jesus of Nazareth, he goes in now to talk to the the elite. He goes in to talk to the great thinkers, perhaps uh, philosophers of that era and age, and he tells them uh, about God. Now, the first thing he does is, as he's going up to Mars Hill, it says in Acts 17, he passes all of these altars to these different gods, because uh, you know ultimately their design and their desire, they're seeking after ultimate meaning, and the. Looking for that ultimate being, this the Creator, God, and people called him different names and referred to him in different ways, and so he runs across these altars, these places of worship dedicated to all these different, different gods that that existed in that era and that time, and Paul notices that just in case they missed a god, uh, 
they had made one altar to the unknown God. <laughs> I've always thought hey, this is hilarious. They didn't want to. They didn't want to get left out. They didn't want to miss just in case they missed you know one or uh, I guess they didn't want to insult some particular God that they left out of their list. And so they had an altar, well, to the unknown God, you know, product X out there. And <laughs> and so Paul takes advantage of that, and he says, I saw you have an altar here to the unknown God. Uh, I've, I'm here to tell you about that unknown God, <laughs> which is so, so uh, very interesting, creative. I, I don't know. I, w- I wonder if one of those altars might have been to Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I'm just curious. I, I don't know. We're not told the details of that, just that little uh, anecdotal information. But then now he begins to talk to them about uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God uh, who has spoken, who has acted, who uh, has been revealing himself through the age and now has come into the human life and experience the human history in the uh, uh, this Messiah, this Redeemer, this Savior. And he tells them about Jesus, and, and he says that he was raised from the dead. And, of course, that with that statement that he raised from the dead, that's where it got just a little bit, I guess, too real for these philosophers from uh, Athens. Up to then, they were, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But then he he says, let me see if I can remember that. When when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, that broke up the meeting. That was the end of the conversation. (laughs) But there were three ways they responded. It says, some laughed in contempt. Others said, hmm, this is interesting. We want to hear more about this. It, it, they were they're intrigued. And that ended discu- uh, Paul's discussion with them. And then finally it says, but some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So even today when you share the gospel in your neighborhood, or in your school, or in your place of work, when you share the gospel with people, you're going to see those same three responses. Some people are going to reject on the face of it. They're going to maybe laugh or mock or just open rejection. Other people are going to be intrigued. And then this is interesting. I'd like to hear more about this. What? And they have questions about it, what it means, and how did it happen? Is it true? How can we know if it's true? And so on. And in other people, they're primed and they're ready, uh, and they've just they've just been there waiting. They what? Somehow in their minds, they have they've searched after the true and living God, and, and they've been searching. And this comes and answers the question, fills in the blanks, and they realize this is it. This is the God I've been seeking and searching for. I remember so many occasions like this across. Uh, I, I remember in Kazakhstan, in in, in uh, Karaganda, uh, the uh, a great city in the in the nation of, of Kazakhstan. I, I, I just on a on a lark, I was taking a tour through the city. I was there with my guitar and my music and. And so on, and I was. Uh, they had, some people were taking me on a tour. I had met the mayor of Karaganda, and and uh, so on, so on, and, and we went to the university uh, there in, in that city. And I was looking at the campus and so on, and they took me to a huge conference hall, uh, auditorium, and I, I noticed as we were going through, there was a piano up on the stage, 
And so I walked over and I began to play the piano a little bit and just you kind of tinkering in the moment. And he said, oh, you play and you sing. And oh, that's what. How about why don't you give a concert? And, and I mean, just out of the blue comes this idea. Of, and I said, oh, OK, how could we do? Oh, we'll have it tonight. We'll, we'll let people know. And just like that, I was I said yes. And we we had, you know, an hour, an hour and a half concert that evening when just me and with my Apache buckskins and my guitar and the piano up on the stage and sharing and singing and i mean hundreds of students came it was just amazing moment and then afterwards i got surrounded by these about five five six seven uh university professors and they came up and said we we prayed that prayer to receive christ with you this is this is what we've been looking for and we want to know more. And it was just, it was just this astounding moment when people who, who haven't heard and didn't know, and now, but they recognized something in the message that they had. God had already been drawing them and revealing Himself to them in, the, in their conversations, and this filled in the blanks for them. And they realized this is the God. This is the true and living God we've been searching for. So anyway, uh, I've come, I've seen that. It's an amazing moment. And that's what Paul ran into there at Athens. And the idea there that there were some people who, perhaps even idolaters before, I mean, they, and their, their understanding of God was partial and incomplete, and they were kind of stumbling their way toward God. And then comes this new information, this new light that is given to them and they recognize immediately this, this is the God I've been searching for. This is what I've been, even though they perhaps knew that the name that they used was a different name or a different uh, kind of religious figure or something, they realize this, this Jesus, this is the God, this, this God of, of Jesus, this is the God I know I, I've been, I respond to, I've been looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just... It's such an amazing moment, but it's it's the the amazing global moment of the world boiled down to an individual uh, mm-hmm. who says, you know, all my life I've been searching for God, and finally I found Him, and I learned that His name is Jesus. You know, what what brought them to that moment? I mean, of course, we know from Scripture, it, God had been revealing Himself; His Spirit was drawing them. And and he was faithful to bring them more light, but that's that's the powerful moment we're looking at here in Athens. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested. Yeah, it, oh, go ahead. Say. Go ahead. Well, I was looking at what this book, uh, this chapter starts at uh, uh, Acts seventeen one. Talk. He's in Thessalonica, and he's then gone. They get chased out, and they go to Berea, yeah. and then mm-hmm. they get chased down to Athens. I don't think. Paul knew where he was going in advance. <laughs> it, it was uh, responding to the crowds and the officials that are uh, sometimes trying to put him in jail, sometimes trying to take his life. Sometimes, yeah. so mm-hmm. he didn't have an itinerary about where I'm going to be on Saturday the 14th or whatever. It was. Right, right. <laughs> he probably had some kind of an idea with his friends, and they had left him there. They were waiting on some friends or someone, but yeah, he he was kind of being guided along. Clearly, uh, he says, and we understand now from the, by God's Spirit, God was guiding him along and, and carrying him along. He would hear from people. Uh, he had heard from the Macedonian dream, you know, come up and help us. 
he was called uh, to calm up and, and bring the message up in that area in a dream. Yeah, the, the, it's it's just this amazing moment, and he's such an amazing person in a, in an amazing moment and situation that it 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 just is so it's it makes the book of Acts what a tremendous movie it would be, but it would have to be. It would, mm-hmm. it, it, it would be, it would be, it had to be three parts, I think, for sure, for at least maybe each mission, <laughs> missionary journey or whatever. Uh, but what do you bring, make of that idea, Stacy, of these people coming from different religious or philosophical backgrounds and responding to this new piece of information that's brought to them in this, on that day on the hill, on Mars Hill in Athens? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, it reminds, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Um, I mean, a, a person who is sincerely, truly seeking the Lord, um, I think that that is, God, God works with that. And it, and there are some that just use religion, but for their own purposes, they're not really actually looking for truth and they're not actually they're just using it to further their own interests and of course that's that's where you get into trouble but there are there are those that are genuine that are genuine seekers and god will find them (laughs) and reveal himself to them well if they're genuine um, seekers he is the one that is drawing them we understand from the the holy spirit is the one that's bringing them along, and then he, if they respond, they are promised to receive more light, more truth, mm-hmm. more clarity. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like that that was what was happening here. Uh, we get to see it actually in on there on Mars Hill as Paul takes the gospel to the city of Athens. Uh, Stacy, great, great insight there. We're going to come back. We're going to take a break. We, our final segment is coming up. We'll finish some of our thoughts about the book of Acts and Acts 17 and go on through the rest of this third missionary journey uh, or second missionary journey of Paul and uh, finish up the book of Acts and maybe give a little introductory words about our return to the Hebrew scriptures in the in the uh, Tanakh. The Hebrew scriptures will go back to the books of First and Second Chronicles. And so we'll, we'll, this coming week, if you want to join with us, don't go away now. The Bible Live will be right back. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
We are back. Our final segment here on the Bible Live broadcast. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. Perhaps you have a comment or a thought or a question about this great moment in human history when the God himself becomes flesh and now uh, in the in the aftershock of of uh, the Messiah Jesus of Nazareth coming into the human history. Uh, he's born, he carries out his life in ministry, he's crucified and, and uh, killed on a cross and then rises from the dead uh, as, as he was predicted to do, as it was prophesied that he would do. And now that message is being taken across the Roman Empire of the first century. And uh, the Apostle Paul, the great disconverted Jewish rabbi named Saul, is uh, taking this message to um, cities and cultures and societies and different language groups and society, all across the Roman Empire. He's taking this message, and uh, we're, we're getting to relive the adventure of that moment when people all across the civilized world of that era are hearing this news about God became a man. God took on flesh. God entered into human history, human experience, and uh, and ha- did a work, did something important to allow human beings, men, women, children, boys and girls all over the earth, any human being that desires to, to know God, the true and living God, and to be made right with God, not only for this life, but also for eternity. To, to find that immortality that human beings have been searching for and longing for so long and wondering about. They had answers to questions that until then had just been questions that they had to kind of think about. They had to try to search for and wonder about how, you know, in the first place, where did this question come from? How did we as human beings so uniquely, how are we the ones to have these questions? You know, and we talk about... We talked a little bit about general revelation, the creation, the world around us, consideration of the of the world around us, how people moved from that to from the creation to a creator and, and wondered about him. And then we talked about consciousness, this special awareness we have as human beings of, of and our longing for immortality, for meaning, for purpose, for beauty, for art, uh, all of the, for goodness and so on. And that leads us to not only creation and consciousness, this special awareness that we have that raises questions of, of immortality, is there life after death, uh, beauty, and art, all of these abstract ideas, meaning and purpose and, and beauty and love and sacrifice and generosity, these things, where do these things come from? What is the, well, that comes from our, our special consciousness and awareness that we have as human beings. And then... Um, um, conscience, this whole idea of good, good and evil, wrong and right. Every culture has a sense of ought, as C.S. Lewis called it. The, and we don't all agree about what specifically is good and what is evil, but that we all, every no culture has ever been found that didn't have within its uh, within its philosophy, within its thoughts, the, the sense of. There are certain behaviors and attitudes that are wrong, that are harmful, that are destructive, and they warn their children about them and, and so on, and maybe even punish people in the community or society that did those things. And then there are certain actions and there are certain attitudes and thoughts that were good 
laudable, healthy, positive. And so they encourage those in their children, you know, generosity and kindness and whatever, whatever they might be. Uh, and whatever they, the, whatever the expression of those might be in their particular uh, environment, whether it's the uh, rainforest of the Amazon and the primitive tribes or the great Egyptian and the Chinese dynasties and empires that have lived, lasted for centuries. Whatever it was, they, they had those three elements of general revelation. But now comes this special revelation. God actually steps into time and space. Uh, of course, we, we, we already had examples of that in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God's dealings with the people of Israel. Uh, and through them, that revelation had made its way to people. But now greater light is being given the the prophecies are being long awaited predicted messiah has come into the world and now the whole human race is taking a giant leap forward a small step for mankind i don't know if paul would agree with that there was a pretty big step for even for one but a, a great leap for humanity forward in this first century with the coming of Jesus of Nazareth we talked about this experience at Athens any more thoughts about Athens itself and what happened there and how uh, we have these three responses. Some laughed and, and rejected. Some said, hmm, this is curious. We'd like to know more. This is intriguing. And then it says some on that first hearing that day and they knew this is what I've been looking for. I, I'm ready to make my, my step of faith. I'll be ready to, to trust in this God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and his son, Jesus, who, uh, the Messiah who has come. So uh, I don't know if Dr. Al or Stacy, if you guys have some additional thoughts about that moment here on this second missionary journey of Paul. Well, I had a quick, I guess, just a quick thought. I mean, especially as regards to just the, um, you, you know, typically you think of a, a moment um, as being an opportunity for power, or at least if you're looking at it kind of from a, if you're looking to see if Christianity is is true or, or if Jesus is who he said he was or if God is who he, if he is God. Um, and, you know, you look at uh, these Paul or you look at James or Stephen or you, and you, or, or Apollos even, mm-hmm. and you see the dynamic. You're trying, I, you kind of, I read it through the lens of kind of human, the relationships and what's going on and um, all of the typical things that would be there, um, jealousy or uh, when it comes to an opportunity for power um, yeah. or greed or, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you, and you would see that it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't have, it, it doesn't have, or, or looking for comfort. You know, they're looking for. You would think that a person that's just looking for power and for influence wants to be wealthy or comfortable, or would be jealous, or would. And you just see none of that. <laughs> Stephen is martyred. Paul is in prison half the time. You know, um, uh, Apollos is an incredible gifted orator and Paul could have been jealous of Apollos but he's not he doesn't at all look down on the ministry of Apollos they affirm one another and everywhere you see all of the uh, jealousy or any of the uh, violence that are, it's it's in 
it's in other, you know, it's between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Paul uses that actually to get out of <laughs> trouble. He uh, pushes <laughs> their buttons and lets them duke it out, and he kind of slowly fades <laughs> yep. out of the trouble's way. But um, and I just think that that's a, a really neat, you know, thing as well, especially when you read the book of Acts in light of what was going on in history. I mean, they're about to, I think this is, they date this prior to the fall of Jerusalem, correct? Right. Um, I think most people think it happened before, otherwise it would have been mentioned. Uh I mean, it was a very tumultuous time, and I'm sure there were a lot of power struggles and a lot of people vying for this position or that. And you, and, and, potentially using Jesus to to gain power. And the irony is that it did gain momentum and power, but not by any means of the normal human kind of ways. Yeah. They uh and I, I you know, I know that's been said and that's been recognized before, but well, I just when you read it again and see all of the different characters and you really look at them through and even today's lens and you see different people trying to kind of find that platform or that voice or and um it's it's the humble, it's the ones Paul never wherever he was He's sharing the gospel. Yeah. He's, um, a, you know, I, I think it was E. Dr. Johnson that said, I don't know if there was an itinerary, if there was an actual time. He just, you know, he was led kind of by the Spirit from, from one place to the next. They had sort of a plan, but wherever he was, he was sharing the gospel. If he's in prison, okay, I'm going to write these letters. And, and my goodness, those letters, yeah. <laughs> you know, and what they became. And God just used him um, because he was he was willing, and and it wasn't for money, it wasn't for fame, it wasn't for comfort. It was because it was true, and he had met and had encountered the living God. And uh, that is I just very think that's an encouraging. An interesting thought you bring there, Stacy. Of what was the motivation? I mean. I, I, that, that, right. I, that's intriguing that what was the motivation of Paul? I mean, it certainly wasn't money. I mean, he didn't, it, it wasn't fame. Uh, I, I wonder what was moving him. Uh, it, of course, truth, his devotion to truth. I suppose he had a passion for truth and for teaching, and he, mm-hmm. for, he was sharing this wonderful life. Remember, though, that he had presided or, or uh, supervised or some way uh, th- an authority in the killing of Stephen, the martyrdom of Stephen. Yeah. So yeah. He, had, he had been mm-hmm. involved in that moment. He was a disciple, as you've mentioned, Dr. Al, of, of, uh, of Gamaliel, this, this remarkable, um, uh, intelligent member of the Sanhedrin in, in Jerusalem. He, he's got, and yet, and he has this conversion, a genuine personal conversion and a vision of, of Jesus who appears to him and speaks to him. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? We're told about that story. And he tells that story two or three times in the book of Acts to different as he's called to testify before different authorities and rulers and, and people who have him <laughs> imprisoned. And he tells that story of his conversion. Um, it, it, I guess it does 
what I wonder is if some of Paul's motivation was some of it perhaps guilt was some of it remember he calls himself in one of his letters that you spoke of mm-hmm. Stacey, I am the chief of all chief sinners, of sinners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so there must have been That's an sweet. awareness of that in his own background in life and in uh, a zeal for the truth I suppose what do you think Dr. Johnson well I've, I think about Paul when he wrote uh, he would give up his salvation if he could bring the message to his brothers and sisters and the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. He had a passion for his, his kin, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that seems to be the motivation that drove Paul to get the gospel to the Jews. And although all of his travels were in Gentile territory, um, but he was going to the synagogues mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Make, his, make his case. That's true. Mm-hmm. Peter uh, evidently was at least in some sense, the one who, remember, we read about him in the book of Acts. He got this dream. He's up in Joppa, and he got this dream about, oh, oh no, no, about the, the sheep that raised from the sky. And then Cornelius, this Roman centurion from down, sent for him. It was told in a dream to send for Paul, I mean, for Peter. I mean, this remarkable event that happened early in the book of Acts. And so... Um, you know, all of these events. It's like you said, Stacy. It's this this idea that this amazing event, and you would think commercially, and it does happen. They we ta- also read that there are some who try to take advantage of the moment to they make a buck, you know, and make a little money or get a little fame or give it. But in general, broadly, right. as we look at at least the Book of Acts, uh, this historical record that is given to us from Doctor Luke. Um, the writer of the mm-hmm. Gospel of Luke. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, Luke joins him in this second missionary journey. In chapter 20, we see that Luke, uh, the, the physician and writer of the book of Acts, joins Paul at that point in his travels. because we And we know that because in chapter 20, the pronouns change. Instead of uh, talking about how he did this and he did that, he starts saying, we did this and this happened to mm-hmm. us. Uh, so we see that Paul, uh, that Luke somehow joins him on the journey here during this second missionary journey. And you do see some of the reality of of competition, uh, particularly when he's at Ephesus, which is the great center of worship of uh, uh, the goddess Diana uh, or Artemis, mm-hmm. another name, that they they had a riot and they attacked Paul and, his, and the followers of Jesus mm-hmm. because they were... They were cutting into their, I mean, people were converting and following after God and after Jesus. And that meant that they no longer were buying uh, the idols of Diana. They weren't buying their goods. And uh, so there was a little, we see that the reality, the human reality did kick in. Some people were jealous of it and, and were being hurt financially because of it. Uh, But the, but in, in terms of the Christian Leaders, Paul and this one named Apollos that you mentioned, uh, he, he, who, uh, when Paul lived in Corinth, uh, he lived with two people, Aquila and uh, Priscilla, his wife Priscilla, and, and they were two Jewish people who had fled from Rome. They found uh, new life in Christ and followed, became followers of Jesus, the Messiah. And then they uh, kind of nurtured and discipled this young man that you talk about named Apollos, 
who is a gifted evangelist and, 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 and uh, speaker, orator. And yet, you're right. You don't see a lot of, there's not a lot of competition between them. They, they esteem one another. They seem to respect one another's different callings uh, to ministry. Uh, it, it, is, it, it is just an amazing time altogether, this, this book of Acts. The, the years that it covers from the, the ascension of Jesus after his resurrection in Acts chapters 1 and 2, and then on through those, those 20 or so years immediately following the life and ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. So Paul also said later in his writings that, uh, not this is Luke talking about Paul, but that later Paul says, so what are you doing? You're, you're follower of Apollos or this or that? Jesus mm-hmm. is the deal. But don't be a follower of me, maybe an imitator <laughs> of me, but don't get on the personality of whoever this is mm-hmm. in the pulpit. It's Jesus that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> really, it, it, it's a magical perspective there, Stacy. you've fallen into there. I, I think that's a consideration that that bears uh, commenting on that, that, that this, at this time, at least in this movement, and this is, and this is, I mean, it's a birth of, grows into potential, into a, a religious system. Of course, we know uh, that today, but at this moment, we're, this is the moment of, this is a spiritual movement. It, 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 it lacks form and structure to be fully like a religious system it's just a movement of God among people who love and who are seeking God and desperate for God, meaning and purpose and answers to life, and and it's just this this word that is spreading like wildfire, and capturing the imagination and the trust, the belief of just thousands and even millions of people. It's just it's just an amazing moment, and it's still going on in our world today. Now it. Every tribe, every nation, every language group around planet Earth today, Jesus, this Jesus, same Jesus that was being proclaimed, is now being worshipped, admired, trusted in, uh, and and preached and proclaimed uh, in in all the languages of the world, in all, every tribe, every tongue, every culture, every society. It's just uh, David's prayers from the Psalms. About you know, let your name God be worshipped all around the earth, and every tribe, every nation. It, his prayer is being answered today, where in this moment where we live in the twenty first century, now all around planet Earth. But it started, it started with these days and weeks and months and years uh, back centuries ago in, in this amazing way it, during the Roman Empire. So many things, and and. It's funny, this was building up to then, Stacy, even though this is prior to the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, yeah. it, it definitely is building up to that moment. Uh, I don't know what it might have been going on politically. Um, uh, you know, the Roman Empire is kind of on its descending in some ways. You've got these corrupt uh uh, wicked emperors, and they, and, and, you know, you have the political realm of Judaism and and these religions that are that are acceptable, at least in the Roman Empire, uh, as long as they don't become a threat to the the um, to whoever happens to be the emperor at that moment. Um, but but this is all driving and moving toward this time when when the city of Jerusalem 
Judaism, yeah. uh, for for all practical purposes, is in in many senses is being destroyed because when yeah. when um, when Ju- when Jerusalem is destroyed, there's no more sacrifices, there's no more temple. There's you have these synagogues out around the Roman, but Ju- Judaism. Uh, is being destroyed and eliminated and erased in this moment, in, in that sense of the old, the religion of Judaism. But right. of course, what we understand and know that is that Christ, Messiah himself, is an expression and an ultimate final revelation of, of true Judaism, what we'd understand. He is, uh, so I, I know it gets a little confusing at this moment, but... Uh, we, uh, those of us, this Apache Indian has opted into true Judaism in, in, in reality. Mm-hmm. I, I worship Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I revere the prophets in the uh, uh, the word from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Old Testament. I, I, I follow the Messiah the, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So... Really, I, I've opted into. I've actually become a Gentile convert, convert to uh, to Judaism, um, as it truly and really was and is. Uh, it's it's an amazing thought. Actually, it takes us down a lot of different paths. Well, our time is almost up, and we just spent it um, contemplating the Book of Acts, his second missionary journey. Uh, it goes on from there to Ephesus, and he goes on from there. It goes. Paul is arrested. He's thrown in the prison. I mean, you got to read it for yourself, folks. The book of Acts. If you read it yourself or go to thebiblelive.com and look up those passages and listen to the book of Acts with us if you want to go back and review it and hear it again. Now, we're going now this week into the book of Chronicles. We already started on Friday night. We'll give you a, a... background of the book of chronicles next sunday night you're on the, the bible, bible live. live is dedicated to helping restore the bible to our culture mailing address is p.o box 18888 that's box 18888 san antonio texas 78218 hear the entire bible every year on the bible live weeknights at 9 30 on this great station Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.